This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. What year are we in? What is the year of the cycle of Jewish life that we are living in? Um, now, you might say that, who cares? Well, obviously, if you narrate this row, it makes a big difference. Uh, there, there, whether it was Minat Torah, according to some <laughs> opinions, which are um, definitely uh, the, I would say, the minority, or it's rabbinic, but Shemitah is what I'm referring to. Uh, according to some, it might even be just a, a, a minag. It's not even rabbinic. It's just a minag. It's a minag tov that needs to be kept. But Shemitah was being kept. Shemitah was being kept and was being accepted. It wasn't considered a messianic ruling like the, the Korbonos. Uh, Shemitah was a very relevant halacha. And therefore, it, when is Shemitah? <laughs> when, when is it happening? How do we know? Uh, obviously, there was a little bit of a vague, a vagueness that intruded into um, Jewish life. And therefore, Shemitah, uh, when it is Shemitah, is really very important. Now, why do we need the Gaonim to know when Shemitah is? So that, I think we need to, uh, uh, I'm going to let uh, Reb Shlomo Yosef Zevin, uh, and I think like a masterpiece of an article, I mentioned him a number of weeks ago in his Sefer, uh, Ishan Beshitos. This is a Sefer that's called Laor Halocha. But Reb Zevin, in about 19, in the 1940s, began to write and become, I think, the premier Israeli halachic journalist let me explain what that means. That you had started writing articles um, in the Israeli newspapers. And the average Israeli reader, um, you know, although you had people who says, ah, oh, newspapers, I'm just going to learn Torah all day. Uh, they found a, 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 a way into the hearts and minds of, of a number of religious Jews, who especially were used to Jewish newspapers from Europe. So either it was in the Hatzofer or some of the other you know, religious uh, um, newspapers, Reb Zevin became a, a, he was a Rav in, in Russia. And when he came to Eretz Yisrael, he found work as a journalist, but not a, a, you know, a journalist discovering information, but actually as a writer who could, was able to take complex subjects and portray them in ways that were understandable and that everybody understood, even Rosh Hashivas and Rabbanim and Talmud HaChachamim, that the man writing them wasn't just a hack who was copying the work out of some other person, but actually someone who himself was a very thought-out individual. Shemitah continued to, uh, in a way, create a rift in Eretz Yisrael based on the fact that there were people who held of the Heter Mechir and people who didn't. Um, and it was up to individuals like Rabzevin to make things understandable, that it, it shouldn't be just a, a question of, 
you know, are you with us or are you against us? Are you for Haredim? Are you against Haredim? It was important, as Reb Zevin understood, to give people the understanding. So he wrote these articles, which he later compiled in a book called Laor Halocha. And that is, uh, now Reb Zevin had another Parnosa, which was, I'm not sure if he made much money from it, but Reb Zevin, along with Reb Yeshua Hutner and others, uh, dreamed and started to develop the idea of the Encyclopedia Talmudis. Uh, he was one of the persons who who sent letters and and began uh, a campaign to make sure that now that we have so many Talmud HaChachamim in Eretz Yisrael, and even those in Chutzlaretz that we can easily connect to now that the war is over, that we should finally write a definitive encyclopedia of Talmudic ideas. And that was also one of, you know, one of Reb Zevin's uh, great projects that is underappreciated, unfortunately, today. So Reb Zevin is the, is the author of what I'm reading to you now, which is a, a, an essay that he published in 1944 of, about Shemitah. The reason why he felt it was important um, the reason why he thought this was important was because the next year, 1945, although the war was still raging in Europe, was a Shemitah year. And again, if you do the math, you'll find that out. But why is 1945 a Shemitah? So let's take a look. Or why is it that we say 2022 is a Shemitah? Do the math, my friends. 1945 was a Shemitah. How many years is it from 1945 to 2022? So it's 75, right? It's I'm sorry, 55 and 22, right? So 55 and 22 is 77. So that means that we're talking about 11 Shemitahs ago. 77 years, 7 goes into 77 11 times. So Right, so we've been doing this Shemitah, right? Forty-five. If you go through the math, now two thousand twenty-two should be a Shemitah year. But why? So Reb Zevin says, really, in a way, it's it's in a way coincidence. He says the truth is, it's pretty much a almost a coincidence that we could figure out when Shemitah is. We have almost a universal accepted idea of when of what year from creation it is. We say that it's 1940, it was 1944, which was, again, 5,704 years. If you take 5,704 and you divide it into seven, so you get, what do you get? You get 814, remainder one. You have 814, remainder one. And divide them by seven, and if any whatever the remainder is, will be the year of the shemitah. That is really a trick, that is halachically probably un, unsound. The way to figure things out is to figure out when shemitah began, and to then work backwards and figure out where we are. Now we saw that shemitah really began only when the bnei yisrael came into eretz yisrael. And it had 
um, the years of battle and settlement. And that, of course, was in line with the Psukim and Parshas Bahar. And as we said, the 21st year of the bias of, of, of life in Eretz Yisrael, when they came in the time of Yoshua, that would have been the first Shemitah year. Now, that would be the first year the laws of Shemitah would have been relevant. Now, the problem is, is that there's an important machlokas between the Tanakama and Rav Yehuda, the Chacham and Rav Yehuda. Do we count the Yovel year as part of the cycle? The Chachamim say we don't. In other words, as I said before, you go uh, 49 years, then you have Yovel, and then you go to year one. And they learned this out from a Pasuk where it says, Vikidashtem as Shnaz Hamishim Shana. That was the double language of, as I said, the double language of the Pasuk indicating that that year is not connected to the new cycle. It stands by itself. That is the opinion of the Chachamim. Rehuda says that the Shemitah is Ola Lakan Ulakan. In other words, Yovah is Ola Lakan Ulakan which would mean that in a hundred-year cycle, as we said, there'd be a difference of two years. Now, keep on going and adding more uh, cycles, the difference is going to be quite dramatic as to when is the Shemitah year, if we pass on like Rehud or the Chachamim. Now, I said before that, again, Rav Yehuda is the Das Yochid, but we're going to find that Rav Yehuda becomes a very important opinion in Allah, and you'll see this in a couple of minutes. So what is the Rav Yehuda holds? So there's a machlokas, Rishonim, what is the opinion of Rav Yehuda? One is the thing that I just said, that, um, and, and the other is an opinion that seems to be Rav Yehuda based on the Yerushalmi, and other mafarshim, in order to explain what I mean, so people shouldn't get um, more confused than they might be already, I would like to just show you a, 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 a bunch of numbers. And I think by showing you these numbers, I think I can, and you're always going to, therefore it doesn't, it, there's, that counts as opposed to seeing this as year 50, and then this would be one, and this would be two. This is year 50 plus year one at the same time. That's one way to look at it. Okay. This was our first 50, and this was the second 50. The other way to look at it is this is 50. And then that's true. It's 50 plus one, but then you basically are going to have this, you're going to count. You need to have for Shemitah. You, you can't have a Yovel count as a Shemitah year. You can count it as a Yovel year, but not as a Shemitah year, which means that the Shemitah years are going to go the same way they always did. So it's not going to be that this is going to be Yovel. This is going to be, you're right, this was Yovel, and this is going to be year one, but, when it, but you're going to keep a different calculation for Yovel and you're going, than you are in Shemitah. So you're actually going to have in a way, this is going to be year one, but this is going to, so therefore, so if this is going to be year one, you're going to actually have uh, Yovel occur the next time. It's going to occur when? 
it's going to occur, you need to have 49 straight years where one of them is not Shemitah for Yovel to happen. So the next year, Yovel is actually going to occur, not, it's going to occur this year. This is going to be the Yovel year. So Yovel, and then the next, okay, the next year, you're going to have another 49 days, 49 years, and the Yovel is actually going to occur on the third year of the Shemitah. And then you're going, so Yovel is going to continually change. It's not going to always, so you're going to be holding two tracks. Yovel is going to somehow insert itself in the middle of the Shemitah cycle. So every year, so your first year that they ever, the 50, the 50, the first time they ever had Yovel, it was the exact, it was the 50th year. And and therefore it was the end of the Shemitah cycle. And it was number 50. But the next time it happened, it was, and, and therefore it was year one, I'm sorry. It was year one of the next Shemitah cycle. The next time they had Yovel, it was year two of that upcoming Shemitah cycle. And the next time it was year three of the Shemitah cycle. So Yovel was constantly changing. So you would have a situation where, unlike according to the Chachamim, that the only Yovel occurred like it was it was like clockwork. We're going to have a Shemitah. It's the seventh Shemitah in this cycle. It's year 49. It's always going to be followed by Yovel. No. Actually, you might have Yovel in the middle and then Shemitah coming a couple of years after that, maybe even the next year, right after that. You might have, uh, Yovel could actually precede Shemitah, according to Rav Yehuda. So that's two opinions in Rav Yehuda. All right. So, okay, who do we care about Rav Yehuda? I'll tell you why we care about Rav Yehuda. And Rav Zevin knows perfectly well, because if we, if we assume the Rambam is, is going to be our guide, so let us take a look at what the Rambam writes. And the Rambam says how we figure out what Shemitah is and when it is. So let's take a look. The Rambam is in Parakyot of Hilcha Shemitah Biyov. The Rambam says clearly, Hmm. So the Rambam says that you definitely need to count um, seven groups of seven, and then year 50 gets a special Kedusha. And that's a mitzvah on Bezdin, to count and to give it a Kedusha. This is a mitzvah that only Bezdin has. The Rambam says clearly, it happened when they came in after the first 14 years of coming into Eretz Yisrael. Now, the Rambam goes through a little history of how many Shemitahs there were in, in the first temple era. And how... Right. The Rambam then says, Kivan shechar avabayis, batal That when the Beis HaMittish was destroyed, we lost count of when Shemitah was. We had a tradition, by the way, that... When the first base of Mikdash was destroyed, that it was the year after Shemitah, and it was the 36th year of the Yovel cycle. 
So it was year 36, because it makes sense, right? 35 would be a Shemitah year. And this would be the year afterwards. It was Moitzai Shemitah that the Beis HaMikdash, the year the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed. Once the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed, however, though, the calculations were erased. Then they built the second Beis HaMikdash, and we know it stood for 410 years. However, they still didn't start counting Shemitah laws. Why? Because you didn't have enough people. You needed Ezra to come up seven years later. And it's only when Ezra came seven years afterwards that they started from year one. And therefore, since Ezra came in the seventh year, that would be year one. So year 13 of when they built the Beis Hamikdash was the first Shemitah year of the Second Temple era. And he says they did seven Shemitahs and they were Makadish the 50th year. Now the Rambam makes an interesting point. There was no Yovel in Bayashani. Why was there no Yovel? In order for Yovel to what what is what happens at Yovel? What happens at Yovel is, is that all slaves return, go free. Land that was bought returns to its owner. And people go back because of the land going back and the slaves going back. There's a certain reset. But it, it implies that most of the Jews in Eretz Yisrael are living in their homeland that is their ancient one that is from their from 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 the ancestors from the ancestors but we know that there was not a sufficient amount of populace that returned after the second base on Mikdash was built the 10 tribes although some of them were returned and the Rambam mentions that previously they were not there in the second temple if they weren't there in the second temple, there was no din of Yovel. There would be no din of an Eved being Nirza then, of an Eved being his ear being pierced. All the beautiful laws of Yovel didn't really apply. So if there was no Yovel, why were they saying, oh, we're going to be Makadish the 50th year? They did it because they needed to announce it as Yovel, although it had very little teeth. Now, Rav Chaim Brisker explains that this means it had a Kedushas Yovel, although no relevance in Hilchlochas of Yovel. Slaves didn't go free, land didn't return back, but it had a shame Yovel. Now, why did they do that? Because otherwise they couldn't really do Shemitah. They weren't able to, because they need Yovel in order for the Shemitahs to, to work after that. So therefore, he says that um, uh, that the year the Beis Hamikdash was destroyed, he says that also, just like that first Beis Hamikdash, the second Beis Hamikdash was also destroyed in a Motze Shviyas year, and it was from the fifteenth year of this artificial Yovel cycle. The idea of seven Shemitahs makes sense if there's a Yovel at the end. 
So there was a, 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 a semi-halachic yovel during Bayesheni in order for the Shemitahs to work. So the Rambam says, if this is true, and we know when the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed, seven years since the Churban. And this is the, in terms of the other cheshpan of Minyan Ashtaros, that it is, it's the, it's, it's the 1487th year since Alexander the Great, that they were writing these Ashtaros, these documents of foreign kings. And from creation, 900 and 36. 49.36 from creation. That is when the Rambam was in the middle of writing Mishnah Torah. So uh, the Rambam is writing in 1176 saying it's a Shemitah year. And it's actually um, it would be, there's a Yovel going on too. Notice the Rambam assumes that the same way the artificial Yovel happened during Bayesheni, the artificial Yovel also happened after the Churban of the Beis HaMikdash. Rabbi Kibbelevitz? Yes. So isn't there some, um, I don't know, there's some like missing years in, in our calculation since since creation? Okay. Okay. He's apologies don't actually match up. Right. He, the Rambam um, is not um, does not right, the, the the missing years that the Maral and Rav Schwab and Barbanel speak about. Um, the Rambam was not aware of that. The Rambam was aware of that, but the Rambam dismisses them as. Right. And you're right. It make things things are even more complicated, right? Because we say there was only seventy years in between the uh, dest- destruction of the first temple and the second. It sort of really doesn't make much of a difference. Um, uh, Jack, because the Rambam admits that everything started up new with Ezra. The only difference is how long we were in Golis. How long was the Persian Empire? That's really the, the question. There really isn't such a, do you hear what I'm saying, Jack? The, the, there is, there's, the debate of those missing years is how long it was till we eventually got back. And therefore, when did Purim happen? And, and how, when did Ezra live? And when did Nehemiah live? And and right, and Mordechai. That's really the question. Um, and there's you know those hundred and fifty years or three hundred years, whatever it is, whatever the amount is, it really isn't relevant to the Rambam um, because even though it's true, you're right. He's conflating all these numbers. You saw the Rambam wrote that the Cheshbon started again with Ezra. So really, so it really, what you're saying, you could, you're right. You can see that the Rambam does not subscribe to the missing years. And it's not surprising that he doesn't because hardly, I mentioned on one hand, the rabbinic authors who even speak about it. So it's not surprising. And the Rambam, but the Rambam as a halachist is interested here because he wants to know he's living in Eretz Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael, they're keeping a, ta- a sort of Shemitah. It's a rabbinic Shemitah, it would seem, 
but it, it's got to be the right year. So therefore, the Rambam says that year, 1176, according to that, is a Shemitah year. But he says, Avol, kol ha-ga'onim omru, ish the Gaonim have, the Gaonim have said, and the Ramam doesn't mean rabbis here. He means the Gaonim, the ones that he in other situations will be a dis, be dismissive towards and go out on his own. He said, the Gaonim have said that they have a tradition. Shalomanu ba'oisan ashivim shana, shabain churban bayas rishan obinyan bayasheni, elishmitos bilvad. That first of all, whatever, however many their years were, whether it was 70 or hundreds, like Jack was implying, um, they didn't do seven and then seven and seven, and then we have Yovel. All there was was Shemitos. There was no Yovel, which is essentially the numbers of figuring when Shemitah is, of Rabbi Yehuda. Remember, according to Rabbi Yehuda, either Yovel floats, or Yovel is year one of the Shemitah cycle. So Rabbi Yehuda's years of Shemitah, although the Rambam says we're not, even according to the Gaonim, we're not followed during when the Beis HaMikdash was standing, and during the first Beis HaMikdash, Rabbi Yehuda's opinion kicks in essentially during the time of the Churban Beisami, of, of the Churban Abayas. Okay. And therefore, according to the Gaonim, it wasn't year 13 everything started. They were keeping a rabbinic Shemitah even after the Churban of the Beisamikdash. And therefore, when Ezra came up, Ezra continued, even though he was Makadish the Shanim, Makadish Eretz Yisrael, but since there was no Yovel, it would seem that Shemitah was only rabbinic, and they were keeping the same sort of Shemitah that was happening after the Churban. And he says, mm-hmm. So we have to know when the Churban was. So when the Churban began, we would actually not, and remember, the Rambam says that we are 1107 years from the Churban. Shnas elef umeya v'sheva l'churban. Elef umeya, 1107 from the Churban. So a thousand, so from the Churban, we would go, we would not do Shemitah and Yovel. All we would have is 49s. There wouldn't be a 50th. It would only be 7, 7, 7, 7, 7 from there. And then the Rambam says that if you go to the Gemara in Avodah and you read it well, you'll see that the Gemara seems to back. It's a very cryptic statement there of what the Talmud reads there, but the Rambam says if you read the Talmud correctly, then you're going to see things from the Gonim's perspective, which was their tradition. So once again, like we saw last week, the Gemara is secondary 
to their tradition, even though there's a, it's, it's somewhat illogical. Because how did it change? Why was it that when they were in Eretz Yisrael and they had the base of Mikdash and they, and they paskened like the Rabbanan, and then when the Churban happened, they went through a, they go through a different system which knocks out. Now, I understand you could say, well, because Yovil doesn't mean anything, but Yovil didn't mean anything in Bayashani either. And yet they counted it in order for Shemitah to mean something. So, right, so now that the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed, all of a sudden we count our Shemitahs differently. And therefore, it's going to be a different Cheshpan. So if you, if you do that, so let's take a look. This year, which is the thousandth, 1107th year from the Chorban turns out to be not a Shemitah year, but it turns out to be the first year after Shemitah. Again, we can follow the, I'll trust the Rambam. If you want to take out your pencil, you can. So therefore, he says that according to the Gaonim, as we said, if you do the math, it turns out that it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't go into seven perfectly because there is no 50. The Rambam originally said that if you make the Cheshpin and assume like the Chachamim, that there was always a year 50 and the year 50 was never part of the 49, then it would turn out that, that the year 1176 was a Shemitah year. But if you go like the Gaonim, it's actually six years before the Shemitah year. It's the year after Shemitah. And therefore, the Rambam says that I'm going to go like the Gaonim. They all start with the Churban because whatever happened before isn't relevant. And they keep on going seven and another seven and another seven. So therefore, this year that I'm writing this book is actually the year after Shemitah. And based on that, I tell people what year we're holding. Because remember, Yovel if you hold like the Chachamim, Yovel is an off year. And the whole halacha of, is it Meiser Rishon? Is it Meiser, sorry, is it Meiser Shani or Meiser Ani? It all, figuring out what year it is in the cycle, according to the Chachamim, is very different. Because Shemit, in other words, Yovel, that year 50, all bets are off. The Jubilee, all bets are off. You have Right, and therefore the cycle only begins after the year 50 but that's not true if you hold like a review but he says that since we don't have Rav Yehuda and we don't have the Chachamim anymore we've become essentially Rav Yehuda people so this is the way we tell people how to keep Maestros and about keeping Maestro Shani and when, what year is the Shemitah year and in terms of in terms of so this psak changes everything. 
the way we do things, amudim gedolim I know that I don't understand it logically, the Rambam says. Because it would seem the same way, and let me reiterate, the same way during Bayashani, they were Makadish the Yovel, in a sense, although it didn't have any teeth, but it was there as the linchpin for the Shemitah cycles to work. That should still have happened. If you want to keep Shemitah Bismanazeh, it should follow the 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 pattern that's been established. But it didn't. And it changed. And from the Khurban, everything was wiped clean and a new way of figuring out the years came out. Actually, the 15th year of the Yovel cycle. Right? It was the, it says, but the truth was, even though when, when you started counting those years, going towards 50, the Chorban hadn't happened, and had the Chorban not occurred, there would have been a year 50, there would be year 49 and 50, and then they would have gone to year one after year 50, despite the fact that nothing really occurred during year 50, right? That changed. So Yovel became jettisoned became irrelevant, but it was still the first year of a cycle. All right? So, and, and, and that's what the Rambam says, that the, the fact that people have been keeping Shemitah this way, and, and it was really, and it started to become relevant when the Yovel was skipped, because the Gaonim said they skipped the Yovel afterwards. It, 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 call it Yovel, not Yovel, year Year 50 was essentially year one, and the, which was, means it just went 49 and then goes into one. Then you go to year one. When it comes to Psak, tradition, and how you've been doing it are very important principles. Again, the Rambam is humbled by the history before him. And therefore, since those are important principles, so we need to hang on them, despite the fact that they're somewhat illogical. In fact, the Rambam in the very next halacha says, The Rambam says the halacha is not, is not like Rav Yehuda. The next Rambam, right after he said this, he says that Yovel really is not part of those cycle. You go 49, the 50th is Yovel, and the 51st year is the first of the seventh year, and that's the way it is. But but that has not been the case. And the, it, 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 it's amazing, because the Rambam actually goes through history, and he shows that we were following the Chachamim. And still, something altered now. I have to tell you, the Beis Yosef, Rabbi Yosef Cairo, although he doesn't want to change what is the Shemitah year, says he doesn't understand the idea behind the Gaonim. I told you what Rav Chaim Brisker tried to explain it, that it was based on the fact that you need a Sanhedrin. In other words, Yovel, there's two dinim in Yovel. One is the fact that the, the Bezdin pronounces it, and the second is all the laws that are the byproduct of that pronouncement. 
Well, those laws can't take, can't, don't have relevancy because people aren't living throughout Eretz Yisrael and people aren't returning back, but they're still a Bezdin. And therefore, if Chaim Brisker says, as long as there was a Bezdin that had teeth, that could do stuff, that actually, they actually could count the years and pronounce it. Once the Churban occurred, the Bezdin really did nothing. The, the Bezdin was, had no power because being next to the Beis Amikdash, having that seat near the Lishkas Hagazis, the pronouncements had, because there was a Beis Amikdash that represented God, those pronouncements had power. Once the Churban occurs, Rav Chaim says, then um, the, the, those pronouncements don't mean anything. If the pronouncements don't mean anything, so basically you can't even pronounce a Yovel. So you're forced to go into a Rav Yehuda mode. You're forced, if you, now you want Shviyas to work, it cannot have Yovel as part of it. And therefore, the reason why we keep Shemitah the way we do is based on the Kabbalah of the Gonim. Now, why is, now this is obviously a very interesting um, ph- phenomenon of how things developed. But this is also very relevant to the Heter Mechira that Reb Zevin decided to write his article because he knew people were up in arms about. One of the uh, uh, principles that Rav Kook Zatzal used when he became um, the most eloquent defender of the Heter Mechira was that there's a suffix. It's true that the Gaonim have an approach that we all accept, but the Rav Kook said, since we're dealing with the rabbinic statute, Shemitah, we need, especially because there's a, an important need for the Yishav and Eretz Yisrael to be able to survive, we need to use many sniff him to be mako. We can't just say it's a Dharabana we don't care about. The, especially something that is so ingrained in, 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 in our life, like Shemitah. It's, it's so important that the God God shows you how it's God's gift to us and how important it is. And to just dismiss it when it was being kept, clearly it was being kept as we see consistently so therefore, to just dismiss it, we, we couldn't do that. But now that there's an, a reason, the reason is, of course, the fact that there needs to be a, a Yishev and Eretz Yisrael that can thrive. We now start relying on the, the we say, is it really Shemitah? Well, according to Gonim, it is. But are they right? Their logic is, is strange. Maybe we should paskin like the Chachamim even today. And therefore, there's a suffix when Shemitah is. You think that the year of this year, Tavshin Pei Beis, is Shemitah. But there's a machlokas. And since there's a machlokas, if it's really Shemitah or not, that's another reason why, since you can't tell me with certainty that it is, that if there's a rationale why we should rely on selling the land and allowing certain types of work to be done, that would be the proper way to go. So Rav Kook uses this, and it might have been part of the original heter of Rav, Rav, uh, 
Rabbi Yitzchok Hanan as well, because we have a suffix. It's a Darabonan and it's a suffix whether it's even a Shemiti or not, despite the very strong language of the Rambam. In fact, maybe the Rambam himself, because he, he spells out the inherent logic against the Gaonim, actually strengthens the fact that it's really a suffix. It's true. Is the Rambam the, the be all end all? You know, you know the, the, the Rambam is not necessarily the be all end all in Halacha either, especially where we're trying to save a community and we're trying to allow a community to thrive. So, in order, when we, when Rav Cooks and the Rabbanat Aroshit, even today, continuously give their heter, not for all work, but definitely work that is not zriya and bitsira, which is uh, mentioned in the psukim themselves, but work that it has to do with keeping the trees alive and 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 other things, added of course to the the fact that the land is being sold to the non-Jews, and technically it's not really Jewish land, and the idea that you could sell the land the veneer that allowed that to happen, or at least one of the important aspects that allowed that to happen, was this suffix, are we in a Shemitah year or not? Others said that as much as Shemitah is beloved, as much as Shemitah has such a high ideal, and Rav Kook's Rebbe, the Nitziv, was one of the greatest champions and fighters for keeping it and not relying on but to allow the Jews to keep it even though it meant they would have to rely on an incredible infusion of help from across the the, the continent of Europe and right and to keep right that's what the Nitziv and others wanted and Rav Cook felt that you I understand why you are connected to this why you want it to be why you want it to work but the reality the way he saw it was was a desperate one. He he did not want this to be constant. So you're right. If would Rav Cook today have continued what's occurring in Eretz Yisrael, I would I, I would say I I don't know enough. My guts tell me no. He would have he would have thrown and said, "Okay, we've done it enough. We're not as we're not as a, we're not reliant on agriculture as much as we were a hundred years ago." When Rav Cook was writing this over a hundred years ago, it's not like the 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 economy of the Medina is going to go under. We are we've got software, we've got other things that we do, and even right there's 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 infusions and, and subsidies and other things that could keep the country going, even if we do not work and plant and and etc. But that wasn't the case when. Rav Cook was writing this. My point is, is that again, it, it's interesting that the the weakness in the Gaonic approach, and the fact that it is it, it borders on something illogical, and the Rambam himself, as I said, really would disagree, but he he bows his head, really opens the door for the Rabbanim of the late nineteenth and early twentieth century to say, well, you don't even know if it's Shemitah anyway. You're relying on the Gonim who, who, who really p- p- posits something which they say, which we can't understand. 
and therefore, since it's clearly only rabbinic, because it would seem that we hold our Yehuda Hanasi, that, that the Yovel and Shemitah are together, and there is no Yovel. And there's therefore, even according to the Chachamim, who counted, it's only, as I said, a, a fictional counting, but there's no ramification to it. Therefore, we can proceed with the Heter Mechira and uh, its allowance. Does that mean, you're right, Jack, it, 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 what it does is it diffuses the principle of Shemitah. And maybe now we can listen to the Nitzv's voice and say, come on, God maybe will, 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 will bring the Mashiach if we actually do keep Shemitah properly now. We understand it was a tzara, you couldn't do it, but come on. Now, now Nitziv wanted people to feel that way 120 years ago. And he felt that if they would, if they would just hold on for dear life, that God would somehow miraculously um, give a brachas and things would happen. And maybe that would be the signal that we needed, that we need the Mashiach. And look, look how much we love God willing to do it. Rav Kook was more practical in terms of what he understood the situation, how people were. And he knew who he was dealing with. And it's Siv thought that those people that were that were the f- main farmers up in the north part of Eretz Yisrael, he thought they could be talked into a sublime religious experience. And Rav Kook knew them that they couldn't. And therefore, showing a model of how a, a law could be tempered and maybe would do more for their morale than necessarily keeping Shemitah. Especially since Rav Kook's Heter did not allow complete total working on the fields. There was, there was a tremendous amount of stipulation that went with it that there was never, even if you held Shemitah was Midaraisa, no Isuri Daraisa would ever been uh, allowed. It was only things which would have been Malachas the Rabbanan anyway, even if Shemitah was Daraisa. So it was a very carefully crafted, and it was also clear, Jack, and to all of you, that it needed to be re-examined every seven years. It wasn't meant to say, oh, here's the Hatter. The problem is, is that people got lazy. And, you know, and, you know, and look, obviously, Rav Cook, this was one of the reasons why Rav Cook, even in that first, he wasn't the Rav Aroshi yet. He was just a Rav in, 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 in Yaffa. But this is one of the reasons why Rav Cook earned a tremendous amount of the ire of the other Rabbanim in the Yishuv. They saw him as, despite his renowned holiness and his knowledge that was incom- that, that, that was that was you know almost unmatched, they saw him as a a compromiser and someone that would <coughs> give in on even more other central issues. But I think, again, this is why, again, as this is a Gonim Shir, I think it's interesting that, 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 it, that, that the, the Isnagdus to Rav Kook, the Isnagdus to that, is based on the fact, how dare you say that it's a suffix, right? The Gonim, we go with the Gonim, and therefore if we follow the Gonic uh, um, calculation, we know when Shemitah is, and yet the voices were willing to say, maybe we don't know. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.